so I'm now driving home from uh, from one of the sounding board uh, recordings with Nick, um, and we've just spent what time do we start? About half seven. It's now eleven o'clock. We've just spent hours, uh, basically getting about half an hour's worth of podcasts. Now we spoke for about fifteen minutes. Uh, I made a point about immigration being good for one thing because of some statistics I'd read a couple of years ago. Nick happened to read a report on basically the same thing uh, very recently, about a, about a week ago or so, and a few days ago. Um, and he ended up arguing about a point that he thought I was making, uh, and we spent quite a, quite a long time talking about this. Uh, getting ourselves wrapped up in circles. Uh, I then started arguing the point that I thought he was making, uh, and we weren't really getting anywhere. So we stopped. We had another cup of tea, and uh, we went back in his kitchen, and we talked about, you know, where the recording was going wrong. Uh, were we, you know, what we thought our other, you know, each other's points were, you know, kind of steel manning each other, I guess. And we realised that we were both both basically on the same page. Um, but just thinking the wrong thing of each other. Um, and I just wanted to record this before I forget it, to, just to say that, you know, this is, this is why these debates are... Open-minded debates are important. So we could have carried on arguing at each other's points um, all evening. We could, you know, I, I could have carried on thinking what I thought he thought, and he could have carried on thinking what he thought I thought, both being wrong, both just going at it. But instead we stopped. We talked about it like adults, and we... We realised, uh, you know, where we were going wrong, and we corrected it. We went back, recorded the end of the podcast, and it all went well. Um, so I just wanted to make that point that open-minded discussions are what's worth a lot here. So I will try and I'll try and remember this for the next sounding board podcast, maybe at the beginning. Anyway. That's the first time I've played you that. We haven't actually talked about this before. Um, we've, you know, a week has passed since the last podcast. What do, what do you think? How did you how did you feel about last week? Um, I I felt really good about last week, even though we only got a half an hour's content out or whatever it turned out to be. And certainly we planned to record longer or or more segments last week. Uh, but yeah, so you just played me that recording. That, um, that listeners would have heard just before the intro music there. Uh, and and you didn't tell me you'd recorded that, and you recorded that just in your car on your phone or whatever on the way back from the last recording. And uh, I, I thought it was great, and it it mirrors a lot of the stuff I was thinking about immediately after, and, in, and specifically the couple of days after, where it kept going around my head what we discussed. And, yeah, this... What you just recorded there, or what you recorded last week that we just played there, um, was like a little behind the scenes of of Sounding Board in a, in a way, wasn't it? Because we we had to stop that recording right smack in the middle and essentially rewind. We actually we actually had to ditch a whole load of stuff because we just got it wrong, and we got what each other was thinking wrong. And we then had to spend basically most of the evening where we normally would be recording stuff, understanding what the other was talking about. But it was such a good experience to do. And at the end of it, we ended up really, truly understanding the other person's point of view. And this is, 
in a situation where normally we totally get what each other are talking about. It's kind of why we have these conversations. Well, this just goes to show how easy it is for two people who normally agree on most things um, to just get each other's arguments slightly wrong and how that can just veer off. And There was a real divergence of, of, of opinion or how we should treat the opinions. And, I mean, as you say, compare this to two people that fundamentally oppose each other. Uh, it, it took us another hour or so to to dissect the other person's point of view in order to understand it, and we got there, um, and it then made communicating massively easy. Uh, those people who completely disagree in the first place have got an awful long way to go in order to understand each other's context before having a conversation or a full-on debate. Um, it helped us massively. Well, it, so it helped, it helped me to... So after talking with you, I then understood why you were saying what you were saying, what your point was, and it helped me communicate because I could work out why you thought the way you did about what I initially said. Yes. So, you know, I, the, and, and it wasn't just... It wasn't just what I said, it was the way I said it. Yes. Um, and that can make a real difference. And it did in this case, because you said something that basically got my antenna up, and I felt I needed to, to defend a, an opposing point. Um, and then we just went off on a massive tangent. I mean, let's be clear, we're not saying here what it was that we disagreed with. We're not revealing any of the content of what that discussion was. But the point we're trying to make here is... That was a discussion worth having, and it made our debate better, and it made our understanding of each other's points better, which made us able to argue better and able to have the conversation. And I just wish other people would go through that process. And a podcast is a different format, and it's a long-form um, piece where you can spend the time talking around a subject. And that's why we like them so much, isn't it? But you, you go on to traditional media and it's the, the 30 second soundbite or the five minute interview and I just don't have time to do that. Well, they're just so in, even in a five minute interview, the interviewer might have half a dozen points, which is yes. you know, more than one a minute that he's trying to get through. Yeah. And, you know, it can take 10, 15 minutes. I mean, it took, us, it took us an hour to get through that one point, to dissect that one point. Um, you know, it took us an hour to get into the right place. And that's how long you need sometimes, particularly when you're talking about, you know, some of these slightly more complicated subjects that, that need dissection and need time spent on them uh, to, to properly elaborate and to, you know, to put your point across. Yeah, I, I suppose an interesting thing to say is the, the, the conversation we had, the discussion we had when, uh, when we realised we needed to stop and talk it through was in no way good listening <laughs> it might have been interesting to record that that discussion but it was it involved a, a, a pace that's not something you'd put onto uh, onto a podcast because there were you know long pauses for thought and us just stopping and thinking and going well hang on a minute I need to come up with a better form of words here I need to reach for different vocabulary in order to try and express myself or to get what you're saying uh, so it, it wouldn't have made good listening and we also but didn't record it anyway, so, no, but so there, was, there was no way we could. But it was, but it was important, and um, we, you know, we're not professional at this. We're not professional interviewers or, or you know, speechwriters or anything like that. That's not that's not what we do. We're doing this for the fun of it and for the love of it, um, and hopefully over time we'll just get better at being able to identify 
when we may not have the other person's point of view and being able to explain it throughout a recording. And also just to get better at putting our points across because if you can misunderstand me and you know me quite well, what's somebody else going to think? And when I say the same point in front of them or you know, a, a dear friend who's listening at the moment, you know, are they misconstruing some of the points that we're saying? So hopefully over time we'll get better at this. Um, at communicating and getting our points across so that everybody knows exactly what we're saying and why we're saying it. That is the most important part of all of this, and that's why I think it was worth talking about this, is that we, you and I, when we're talking, we have to be as good as we can at expressing a point for exactly that reason. Someone else listening to this might think, what the hell are they talking about? And if, if that's the case, then we're not communicating effectively. So... We will, we will do our best to try and do just that. So today I wanted to talk about contradictions, um, specifically contradictions that people say normally politically. Uh, it tends to be on the left. Um, and I, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that we're not actually the first people to notice this. No. Um, Eric, Eric Weinstein has uh, noticed it in the past. Um, I, th I believe he calls these the Hilpert problems of SJWs. I think we're early on in this because I can't really find anything on the internet about it, but I've definitely heard him on occasion mention, when, when somebody mentions a, a train of thought, he will say, well, okay, hang on a second, that doesn't square with this existing train of thought by the same people. So just which is it? Which one? Which one's it going to be? Um, I'm not sure if you've ever, ever, ever heard of the health problems before. Not specifically, but I've heard, I've heard him talk and, uh, and have a conversation with someone about how uh, I, I, I need to be told the rules of the game. That was, your, on, that was on Joe Rogan. It was him and Joe yes, Rogan. that's uh, right. I think just before Christmas. Yeah, and, uh, and I thought that was very clever because he was talking about how like, I, I can't need to have you here all the time with me in order to be able to answer every single little nuance and exception in this set of so-called rules you've come up with. Uh, it needs to be that you can just say, you can just codify it. And well, there needs, there needs to be rules. That's, that's the thing, that's he's getting yes. at. And that people don't seem to be able to say what the rules are because they change depending on the circumstance because they change depending on the circumstance and these are really what we have done is we have written down a load of contradictions as we see them uh, and they can't possibly both be reconciled can no, they no they don't appear to and that's why he's so that's why he's used the name Hilpert problems Hilpert was a, a genius mathematician at the I was going to say, that, I was just about to say the, the turn of the century, but I had to stop myself. The turn of the previous, the turn of the previous century. century. <laughs> so sometime around 1900, I think. And he came up with, I think, 20 or so problems that were, at the time, unsolvable. Um, some of them have been solved uh, in, the, in the, the, the time since uh, with some assumptions. Some have been partially solved. Some are still unsolved. So there are these. And I, I had a look at them. I've studied maths your mathematics at a reasonable level yeah. and it's way beyond me um, so that I can't give you an easy example that no. you or anyone else would, would understand um, <coughs> these are the type of problems that, yeah, that they are they're virtually unsolvable or you know as would appear certainly at the time utterly unsolvable yeah. so that's why he used that name 
Okay. Um, but should we just go into a couple of these I, I think we contradictions? Should. So, so, what, so what we did, uh, and this was about a week ago now, wasn't it? We sat and tried to just list as many different types of these uh, these problems as we could. Things we couldn't quite reconcile, things that we felt were polar opposites or that you had to you know, redefine the entire terms in both, in both directions to make it work. Um, and to the we point where it's just amusing, some of these. Oh, totally, totally. Um, and we haven't discussed them since. No. But no. we've got a list now written up. So let's, let's go. So the first one, and this is one of my favourites that you see all the time. Um, and this so, is in no particular order. We've not categorised these in any way. No, no, we just, we just wrote them down and, yeah. and, and that's it. So the first one is laissez-faire capitalism can't work because people are selfish. And you hear that all the time. That's why capitalism doesn't work. Yeah. Because you've got these these evil business owners who are, you know, who are employing people and paying them peanuts. Exploiting and people. Exploit that exploiting yeah. people, etc. The opposite of that is socialism will work because nobody will be selfish. Yes. Everybody will be will put their hours in and they'll work for the greater good. Which is it? It can't it can't possibly either, be both. Either people are selfish or people are not. And it can't possibly be both. I, 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 it's a, obviously a nuanced argument when you really need to, to get into what capitalism is and what it means because it's, 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 it's twisted and it's distorted um, by actually people on both sides. Um, and, you know, it was not in, you know, the term capitalism wasn't invented by the capitalists and all of that. So you can argue that it's, you know, right from the word go, even the, even the terminology is there. To well, that, so that's, that's, that's why we, we, put, we were careful to put laissez-faire capitalism. It, yes, exactly. And not what people will, you know, not, not what a lot of people term as capitalism, which is actually corporatism or statism. It, it, yes, yeah. Cap, laissez-faire capitalism is the best thing for greedy people because they have to work to get anything. It's only under socialism or statism yes. that you can do nothing and be fine. Yeah, you have to do something for someone else. That they want. You have to serve your customers, regardless yeah. of who they are. Exactly. But, you know, years and years ago, before, before you know, we've got into the more detail you know, side of this, and uh, coming up with the actual arguments for it, um, I remember just, you know, just, just thinking in general, people are selfish. And I, and I don't mean that everyone is selfish, but, you know, the human race, you're not going to somehow get selfishness out the fact that selfish people exist means that you need to devise a system that doesn't encourage selfishness but copes with selfishness but i'd say i think this is for um down to evolution as well you have to be selfish you have to look after yourself otherwise you can't look after your family and if you look after your family you can then look after your neighbors and your wider community if you just viewed everybody as completely equal nothing would work but you see i think now i haven't gone and looked up the dictionary definitions of this stuff but i think people confuse selfishness with self-interest i think those are two completely different things now selfish as a term uh is is a negative one and i say i haven't looked up the definition of it but i think you can separate it and say well being selfish is bad (laughs) but having self-interest is not only good; it is desirable, and the collective self-interest of everyone. There, there's certain, there's certainly an argument to say that selfishness is the extreme of self-interest. Isn't yes, it? but you see, I think that, and again, maybe we should look at the definition. But I think selfish is kind of, well, it, it, it's, it's to the detriment of everything else. Whereas self-interest, I think you can define. I think you should define as 
absolutely including those things that you do for other people because it is in your interest and that and that and that's not a, a quick short-term thing this is you know i you know i i bring up my kids because i'm you know because i'm i'm furthering the human race and that is in my interest and you know it's in my interest that they like me and etc 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 um and so you know you, you can you can say that uh, individual acts are selfless so, you know like you know get up in the middle of the night when when my kids are ill or whatever is that a selfless act or is it a, or is it actually in my self-interest well, it depends on the, the period of time that you're, you're thinking exactly as well. so you can be selfish um, over a short period of time and it might do you good temporarily yes but in the long term it, it certainly won't and and this is where uh, I think I think people get it wrong and I think yeah, people equate yeah, capitalism with it being a system of being selfish they in the same way that I'm defining it here without really reading into the reading the definition selfishness as this very very short term gain well even, so even if we if we take but the sentence even if we take the sentence that, or the, the two sentences that we, that we said originally just replace it with greed ah. you know laissez faire capitalism can't work because people are greedy but socialism will work because people aren't greedy you hear yes. that as well and and that that doesn't work either yeah so whatever 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 words you use whatever definitions you use those two statements cannot possibly cannot possibly both be true yeah and the idea that socialism uh, can, or, or in fact, it doesn't. You don't even have to give the model a name. Try, it is futile to try and eliminate greed and selfishness, isn't it? it, it, it and it, you don't have to try and come up with a system, a collectivist system, to do that. You don't have to come up with something like communism or anything else. It, it's. The, the idea that somehow you can engineer it out of society is just, it ain't gonna happen. So let's use a system that, that means that those people have to work for it. Well, so, you know, why, why do you think they had the, the Berlin Wall? You know, that wasn't to keep the, the greedy capitalists <laughs> out, was it? It was to stop people leaving. That's, that's the thing. Whenever you have these communist or socialist utopias, after a while, uh, they have to stop people leaving, whether it's in Cuba or China or North Korea or Germany or wherever. Well, you have to stop they haven't leaving. specifically stopped people leaving Venezuela yet, have they? Or, I mean, they've, they've left. Yet. Yes, they've yet. left in record numbers, haven't they? You know, more people have moved out of Venezuela than Venezuela, I think, than moved out of Syria or something daft. I mean, it's, you know, it's this major shift in population um, for economic reasons. Um, but yeah, right. That we cover a lot of ground on that one. So that's we? the first one. So yeah. the, the second one is, this is one that you you brought up. Raising the rate of corporation tax will only bring in more money, and we put tax on fags and booze because we want to discourage it. Yes. So make make your mind up. Does does taxing things affect behaviour, or, or does, does it, it not affect behaviour? I, I think I think I know where you stand on this one, uh, and I actually read an article today that said, uh, when you tax something, you get less of it. it, it they, they summed it up in a, a sentence as short as that. Uh, there was there was there are some economists that are trying to argue that there are some things that you can tax that there you that then behaviour can't be modified on, and obviously the government likes to tax things that are very difficult for us to avoid 
Um, I, I was thinking about it the other day. Well, like con TV license. Uh, TV license is a, is a great example, albeit now there are now choices of things. Um, you know, you can you can consume things that aren't available on the standard TV channels, but you can consume television output. So you can get Netflix, you can get Amazon Prime, you can pay for other services, um, not pay for the license fee. Um, but I was just thinking it, it, this. This this concept of um, of, of taxing any, you know, anything that moves in order to, to, to make money, that value added tax, the concept that you are going to tax something where someone adds value. If you actually go back to the actual strictest definition of it, um, you, you're making that better. I better tax you while you make that better. What what the hell? Do you, know, do, you know, do you know why we have VAT? Do you know who came up with the VAT? Okay, who came up with VAT? It's the EU. It's an EU rule. We can we can abolish VAT if we want to. No, I know I know that. The EU. the EU didn't invent VAT, did they? Yeah, I believe so. Well, okay, right. They're forerunners to the EU. So so. I don't know the info. We, on yeah, this. we have, when, no, we had to we had to, to add VAT. So was it a common market thing? It's a common market thing. Yeah. Right, and it's any transaction tax. Um, to me is is a stupid thing because you're going to discourage the transactions it's, it's what annoys me even more than this is when you're taxed on top of tax so for example you buy alcohol yes. and there's the alcohol tax and then VAT is added on top of that yes it's a tax tax so yes. petrol you know it's yep. fuel tax and there's VAT on top of the tax so you're being taxed uh, it's on the tax. same right we had an example of this when we bought our office a year ago and that was VAT on top of the stamp duty and there were swear words, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure. And it, it, it's, it's utter, utter nonsense. Uh, bearing in mind that as a company, uh, we get to claim the VAT back on purchases. So we got to then claim the VAT back on the purchase of the office. But the purchase of the office was the single individual largest thing that our company had ever bought, obviously. As you would have expected. So we had to get from the bank so right, right we, didn't, we didn't buy this office in cash we got a mortgage yeah uh, and you know the process is fairly similar to buying a house and so um you know put a chunk of money in as a deposit uh, as equity the rest is a mortgage so go to the bank go to the bank manager get a mortgage please thank you very much we then had to get a separate short-term loan from the bank and, yeah, and this was just like a proper product they had ready to go because this is what you have to do in order to fund paying the VAT knowing that they'd get that back and we'd, we'd get that back and be able to pay off the loan within a matter of months because obviously there is a VAT cycle, a quarterly VAT cycle. Um, how, how much nonsense is that? Oh, it's an utter scam. It's yeah. a scam. And They're so, probably rubbing their hands uh, together. And, you know, I, you and I should probably um, have, have fun one day on a podcast just talking about the, non, the nonsensical way that tax is collected because that that's the best one of those obviously because all these companies that don't deal with the consumer still have to both pay and reclaim that on absolutely everything they do well so uh, myself as, a, as an independent contractor I, I i have to collect tax from my clients who then claim it back Yes. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm effectively a tax collector for nothing. Yes. I, you know, it's, it's a form of partial slavery, if you like, because <laughs> everything I do, 
I have to be a, I have to be a tax collector, which is it, so I, I can claim VAT back. But I have to do the work. I have to do the admin. I have to pay an accountant to sort this out for yes. me. Oh, yeah. So it, it costs me in time and it, money you, to you do can this. Get, you can get investigated, and if you if you aren't a very good tax collector, then you will get a fine. Correct. <laughs> Which I, I particularly like that aspect. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, uh, but yeah, but even but going back to the concept of value add, yeah, the the, the reason I don't know the reason. <laughs> That's a stupid thing. Way to start it. Why are we taxing something where someone has made something better? Other than it moves, therefore I tax it. I mean, it just it's just crazy. Why are we trying to? Because why are we think discouraging? They can get away with it. That's yeah. That's the only reason. Yeah, I think they can get away with it. Yeah. Well, so that that's that's that one. I think I think we I think our, our friend knows where we where we stand on that. Uh, so this is I think I believe this is one of the ones that Eric Weinstein um, mentioned. So if you don't have an equal split of men and women on your board, then you must be a sexist company because men men and women are the same. And if you don't have a fifty fifty split, the only reason for that can be sexism. Yeah, and I've, I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, the opposite of that is bringing women into the board will increase diversity, which is a good thing. So, if they're if they're bringing diversity and they're thinking differently, they are different. In which case, maybe it's not sexism <laughs> that you don't have a fifty-fifty split because they do think differently. Maybe you want a certain type of person <coughs> think a certain type of way. Um, which is it? Yeah, they, they can't. They can't possibly both be true. No, uh, I have I have massive problems with uh, with the whole equality argument. And, and, and obviously, you know, that's, that, that's mainly because it's about equality of outcome rather than equality of opportunity. Again, there's a whole topic we could open up into there. Um, but as, as you say, you can boil it down to, hang on a minute, you like diversity. So which is it? You, you, if you're encouraging diversity, diversity, you're doing the absolute opposite of encouraging equality. So you you just can't have it. Both. Well, so that leads us into one one of our other ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a little bit. Yeah. But so one of one other one is racism and sexism are bad. Ah yes yes. Minority shortlists are good. Yes, that's right. So so which is it? Because um, I see I I've I've been reading recently that um, that the terms themselves are are being rewritten. They are. And the word power is being added all over the place. Yes, yes. Obviously, the word privilege is everywhere. Um, and this, the concept that, uh, I mean, obviously, the term positive discrimination has been around for some time. Um, and uh, it, was, it was invented as a way of obviously making it sound, making discrimination sound good. Well, you and I have had this discussion before. So there is such a thing as positive discrimination, but it's not what they think it is. Yeah. So if you're employing a, a caretaker at a school, you would discriminate against convicted paedophiles, for example. Fairly positive, I'd say. That's positive discrimination. Yeah. Um, that's not what they mean. That's not what they mean. What they mean is uh, we need more people of an ethnic background or we need more women or, or we need whatever. So what we will do, and again, this is linked directly to the shortlist uh, idea, uh, is, all right, hang on a minute. I, 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 board members is another one. I've got too many men here, so I'm going to have to just hire a woman. So that obviously narrows the talent pool to just that one group. Um, and 
that's discrimination. Because it's redressing a, a, a perceived balance issue has now become something that is, is seen as a good thing. But it's, it's an ism, whether, <laughs> whichever way you look at it. And I would, just to take this slightly further, I would argue that that's not even good for the people in, who, who get through these shortlists. Of course it's not. You know, so, say, you, say you're a woman and you get through an all-woman shortlist to, uh, to get onto the board of directors for a company. Yeah. Even if you're the best there is and the best director within the board, yeah. everybody else is going to think you are only there because of that shortlist. Yes. So it's not going to do you any favours whatsoever. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're going to have to prove yourself way more than anyone else. Mm. Um, but this, but this concept, and let's, let's take racism as, 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 as the other one, the other one. The concept now that you can very overtly say that no, that isn't racist because I am black, for 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 example, or because I am from somewhere. Or whatever. I've seen this so often now. It's like, oh no, it's okay. I can be I can be down on whitey because they're white and white privilege and. You just have to call a term. You don't even have to explain it anymore. And apparently, that's not it's not racism. It's it's because of this added it, added power. But the whole the whole it's not racism if it's against the the you know the the majority the, the majority yeah. But it's so they keep adding the word power to these definitions. So it's some it's like yes. you know, discrimination plus power or prejudice plus plus power. But the whole idea of power is is ridiculous because you can be. Um, for example, Barack Obama, when he was president, pretty powerful guy. Pretty powerful. But because he has black ethnicity, or half, half of his you know, family yeah, yeah, tree, yeah. Um, then, then it's fine for him. You know, he, doesn't, he doesn't have power. Yet a white homeless person does. They still yes. have white privilege. Um, yeah. Dripping with privilege, these homeless people. <laughs> crazy. Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's move on. Um, this, is, this is a good one. Um, Monopolies are bad, and we should break up large companies. But nationalisation of an entire industry is good. Yes, as as long as politicians think that it should be nationalised, uh, then a monopoly is not only fine; it is it is desirable. In fact, it is, you know, bang your fist on the table, the only way. Yet, in you know any other area, it it has to somehow be. Um, be stopped. See, p- people people get monopolies wrong um, all the time. Um, yeah. So I, you know, there, and there, it's important to distinguish between different types of monopoly. So you've got like the, the kind of the, the state-run monopoly nationalisation. Um, obviously, that's bad. Um, you have, and you have sort of natural. That's that's an unnatural monopoly. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, if, if you've got the state saying right nobody can enter this industry we're nationalizing it healthcare or rail or whatever yeah we're just gonna with venezuela and why we're just gonna point at your business and we're just gonna take it yeah and that's it the, the owen jones way exactly that's that's very very bad um uh, but there are natural monopolies now a natural monopoly is something that's there because it's good so something like amazon for example is yeah. pretty close to a natural monopoly yeah um because Google they search because yeah because they just serve their customers very very well, very well. Yeah. And there were no barriers to entry for the market. So if somebody came along and did something, did it better or cheaper or, or, or whatever, yeah. then they would cease to be a monopoly. 
um, you know, another company would grow and, you know, the market is fine. And that's fine. If, if there is just one company that's good at Microsoft were a great oh, example back in, back in the day. And IBM and complete, Apple a couple of times. Yeah, a completely natural monopoly. Um, so, and that's fine because they're, they're, they're just the best there are. And people, yeah. people buy their products because they want them. And it, and it probably won't last. History has shown us, again, Microsoft and Apple, great examples, that it doesn't last forever. So the reason Microsoft, I believe, are in this situation, or one of the reasons, is that they refused to lobby the American states. For years. Years and years and years. So they were just at the top of their game and had a, a huge market share because they were just the best that there was. And you know the, 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 the American government was saying, no, you need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars lobbying us for regulations and, and what have you that will benefit your, you know, your business. And they were saying, no, no, we're, we're quite good as we are. Um, we don't want to get into that, and that's when all the antitrust and all that kind of thing came along. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons that they kind of slipped from the top, is because they didn't play the political game very well. Yeah. But isn't that, isn't that such a crazy, crazy situation? It's awful. It's awful. Where, um, that they were the, the political class, the statists were essentially themselves trying to engineer cronyism. And this is where you know cronyism only comes from the state. Uh, it's only there if there's someone who has the monopoly on something themselves, <laughs> i.e., power and regulation, and the the ability to shut you down. Uh, and you have to you have to lobby them, and you have to schmooze them, and you have to pay money, and you have to you have to be a crony in order to to get a slice of the pie. And the only way uh, that doesn't happen in the private sector because it's not. Uh, how, how, why would you ever need to do it that way? You know, it's 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 the power from the, the state gives, and that's what that's what creates the cronyism. It is. So let's let's move on. In fact, we can. So I'm going to jump around again. So this is another one that's similar. So cartels are bad. Ah yes. But price caps are fine. An energy price cap, for example, uh, is yes. fine. And you could so, and you don't, you know, you don't have just have to talk about price caps. You could talk about uh, extensive regulation as well. So things like banking regulation, yeah. uh, energy. So I've worked for banks. I've worked for energy companies. Yeah. And they are whilst whilst probably not cartels. The market is stitched up. You know, you and I couldn't start a bank very easily. No, no. Um, the barriers to entry are huge. Exactly. So it keeps the same large companies. Yeah. In the same place. Um, yeah. So they can, they can behave similarly to a, to a cartel. Um, I, I think that the the price the price thing is a is one worth talking about a little bit more though because the a, a cartel is normally uh, it, it's a term used normally when you're accusing a group of companies of colluding over price. That's exactly what it is. And to to then state sponsor that and not call it for what it is. You know, if, 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 if Theresa May or Red Miliband got up and said, enough is enough, I think it's time we created a cartel <laughs> because people need a fixed price on energy, um, then I'd have slightly more respect um, for them because they're being honest with what it is. But explain to me how it isn't that if the government sets the price. I don't believe you can. I think, I think that's the, the, the reason that we, uh, uh, yeah, the, the reason that we wrote this down. Um, yeah, it's it's another absolutely crazy one. And if 
if a price isn't set by the market, then you're going to get shortages of that, of that thing, whatever whatever it is. Well, it's either going to be if it's if it's if it's set at all uh, by the by the state, it's either going to be too high and people won't buy it, or too low and people won't make it. You just have yeah. to look at Venezuela um, when they've, they've, they've put price caps on a number of things, and they and just can't get them. You know, the, 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 exactly the, the price. Toilet paper is a good example. They, they they had this idea that oh well, you know everybody has has a, it's human right everybody has the rights to toilet paper therefore we're going to make it as cheap as possible um, and the price they set it was cheaper than they could possibly produce it for so they could nobody could ever make any money so obviously they didn't make it so what happens you run out you just yeah. have a, an absolute shortage of it I saw I saw a great tweet the other day <laughs> and it was on on Venezuela uh, and it was. What, what do you what do you mean these people are poor? A, a chicken is worth you know twelve million bolivars. <laughs> I love it, turning it on its head. <laughs> uh, the concept of all this inflation. Um, oh, it's crazy. It's like, look how look how much this chicken is worth. <laughs> there are no chickens, obviously. <laughs> that's the thing. That's, you know. Anyway, um, so this is this is a good one. Um, American cops are bad. Uh, we were specific on this one, weren't we, to say American cops? Yes. Um, I mean, it'll you become say, clear so, now. It'll become clear. Um, but let's ban guns so that only American cops have them. Yes. That's oh, a funny one, this one. Yeah. Um, and we, 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 we specifically mentioned America because obviously uh, gun laws in the UK are, are different. Are, are very, very strict. And I think our, our police, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of the police in this country. I think they spend too, too much time policing Facebook and not enough time pre preventing stabbings in London, for example. <coughs> but they're not a, quite as bad as they are in America. Yeah, I think it's a very fair comment. Uh, I, I think certainly they spend too much time trying to police non-crime. Uh, non-crime non haters. Non-crime hate. Whatever, they, whatever they're called. Um, uh, but in mean, any amount of time, policing that is too much. But, but also the priorities um, of the police have become utterly twisted. Um, by politics so that yes you can be burgled or stabbed or you know have a have a violent crime against you um, uh, and that not be investigated or reported or certainly prevented um, but if you say mean words but, on the internet but if you say something nasty about someone then yeah if you if you're accused of being a transphobe then they'll they'll come and knock on your door crazy but I, th I think so this is this is one of my favorites because people don't really think this through um, they just, you know, the, the people are, are very, very willing to admit that American cops are bad, and that you know, there's incident over incident you know, every single day. It's a stereotype, isn't it? It, it is, um, and pro probably a, a worthwhile one. You know, you, you, um, so I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm fine with people saying American cops aren't the greatest. I'm fine yeah. with that. But then the same people want to ban guns. So if you ban guns. Who has them? Yeah, the just, only just think about that. Is, the only yeah. the only people that are going to have guns are these people that you hate. Well, you know, <laughs> you think if, about if I was if I was living in America, I don't think I'd want the only people to, to own guns to be their cops. Yeah, you know, and as I said, it has to be the context of this is America. Th yes, it's where absolutely every cop about. has a gun, basically. Yeah, so th that that's one that people people really don't really don't think through. Um, so this is another good one. Um, so consent is imperative. You, you hear people talk about consent all How the time. How important consent is. And this is another thing I can I can agree hundred percent on this. Yes. But where they where they draw the line and I don't, 
is it's okay to tax people if they don't want to be taxed. We should just tax the rich if they don't want it. That's fine. They're, yeah. they're, you know, we, yeah. we, should, we should just get together as a, as a majority and just tax them. Clearly, there is. So consent doesn't line. always matter, does it? Well, in exactly. Clearly, there is a line to be drawn on consent. And to say that out loud to someone and say, "Well, you Where's do believe you do believe that a line can be drawn." So let you know, please explain to me where that line can be drawn. Um, not not over your body is clearly what you know what you're saying. Uh, you know, c- c- consent over um, what someone else does to your body. That, you know, I've, I've, I'm thinking these people will probably think that you know uh, that's fine. Or, or be it. But what about what I do could, with my body? For example, I'm going to work with it. It's, 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 you know. Yes, but I was just about to say there, um, consent isn't that cut and dry when uh, you, know, you may, for example, not, uh, not, not want to be operated on uh, or, you know, uh, or saved in quotes if you're um, injured or, you know, or whatever. Uh, and you might consider it a violation for anyone to touch you. I mean, not giving your consent. And yet there are there are there are laws certainly in this country where you can be you can be sectioned you can be you can you can be detained under the Mental Health Act for example um, against your consent. So even in terms of the you know, kind of the ownership of your body, um, there are there are extents to to how imperative that consent is, uh, and where the law allows the state to to overrule. And and, and there have been um, uh, so this has been in the, in the news recently. So there have been laws, and I, I don't know too much about this, but there have been laws around pornography, haven't there? Yeah. And what you know, what what is legally allowed? Yeah. Um, and lots of these things have been obviously completely consensual acts. Yeah. Um, but you're not allowed to show them on on television. Yeah. Um, spanking and that kind of thing. Yeah. Apparently. Um, and things like so that there are I think the laws on uh, genital mutilation as well yeah so you can get you can get prosecuted for having like piercings um, for example that you've consented to as an adult right um, but that's classed as mutilation right so that you know the, the laws are very very bad on all of these things yeah um, yeah well and the point is if you have to get into a discussion about it then that means that you need to have uh, some kind of um, value judgment applied to it which means that you then have to come up with all the checks and balances necessary of a group of people and who the hell are they to draw these lines and it's the same as as, as free speech it, it, I, I, I kind of see these things as, as quite similar where um, I, I absolutely believe in free speech wait for it <laughs> but and then they come up with all their uh, all their exceptions to it, and consent is absolutely one of those. I don't think they see it in the same way, but you know, you can easily draw the parallels. And tax, as an example of that, is is obviously is a it's a huge one that people don't actually equate to consent. No one thinks about tax being something that you don't consent to, but you don't. Of course, you don't. Um, and we've yeah we've done podcasts on the amount of the amount of tax that people pay that they don't have to. Yes, it's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People only pay tax because they'll yeah. get thrown in jail if they don't. Yes, that's the only reason anyone pays tax. Yeah. Well, and likewise, um, uh, yeah, the TV license stuff and all that kind of stuff as well. Exactly. Okay. Well, what else is on the list? Uh, so we've got a couple left, um, and there's, they're 
they're around the EU. I know we don't often like to talk about Brexit, um, <laughs> but uh, but we're, we're, we're going to have to. So uh, the first one is trade barriers between the EU and the UK are bad. Yes. And these are the people against, for example, walking away without a deal. Friction. Exactly. Tariffs. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. WTO rules, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's very, very bad. We're erecting trade barriers with our... Yeah, we, we, want, we want free trade. It's, you know, that's why we, we love the EU. The opposite one of that is trade barriers between the EU and the rest of the world are fine. Yes. The customs union, they love what it. What is this all about? And, you know, bear in mind what we're talking about here is a group of countries that in, in, in just pure GDP terms, in GDP per capita terms, um, in trade terms is an ever-diminishing proportion of the global economy. The, uh, that is the EU. And so... It's the only shrinking trade block in the world, isn't it? If you put them all together, it's the only one that's actually shrinking. Everyone else is growing, except the EU. Excellent. Let's leave. So, it, the, 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 the idea, though, it, it's, it's spun, isn't it, in the media, by politicians, um, and not, not many people really talk about the... Uh, the specifics of the common external tariff or the how the regulatory system works in relation to that. But th this concept that if you have a free trade agreement among a group of countries, a block as it's known, uh, that, is, that is seen as very, very good. Even if, by definition, it excludes anyone not in that club. And so it's, it's fine if you're in the club, but it's not fine if you're out of the club. And it's not even as if we trade more inside the club than no. we do outside. No. You know, we trade more with the rest of the world. Easy, and you, yes. and you yeah. could still, you could, I mean, I would argue that if we, if, even if we were trading more with EU countries, an argument could be made, well, it's only because of the free trade and because of the barriers you're yes. putting outside them. Yes. But that's not even the it's case. It's not even working to keep us trading with the rest of the EU, is it? No, we, we, trade, we trade more with, uh, with the rest of the world as yeah. it stands yes. we do well, and, well, the the, and that is growing year on year on year even since the in the run up to the referendum since the referendum the trend has only gone in one direction which is we trade less every year with the EU than we do in proportional terms with the rest of the world um, I mean I'm, I kind of like you know, no one ever used to talk about trade until uh, the EU referendum and, and you know, people like to call this entire period of time Brexit. It's, it's, uh, we'll use it as their shorthand. But over this period of time, um, people talk about trade. And um, you know, what, one of the things I, I really want to talk about is that you don't need a trade agreement to trade. That you know, trade, trade agreements aren't what make trade happen. They are normally there to smooth out existing t tariff barriers and other bits and pieces if they exist in the country but generally speaking companies buy from other companies in other countries even though those barriers exist so what's what's the what's the default position without without governments interfering it's absolutely free trade yeah. anyone can trade with anyone anyone they, when they want it's yeah. only it's only you know you come countries put up these huge barriers in place with you know, regulation and customs and stuff and they knock a tiny bit of that back and expect to you know to, to, to be lauded for this because of, oh because of this trade deal it's well hang on a second i'd be able to trade with anyone else in the world 
if I wanted to without you both. I I actually want to stop the term free trade from being used. Well, it's not really free trade if you have to. If if, if we're, for example, in the single market, and this is probably where you're going with this, but if, because of the amount of regulation um, in the single market that, we're, that any company has to adhere to, that's not free trade. Exactly, and you only have to look at the free trade agreements as they are called FTAs um, around the world to see that far from being free they are a complex set of rules and even um, even when you're looking at tariffs they're, they're called free trade agreements most of them still include a tariff schedule between them how is that free trade some of them have a sliding scale so it's like well at the moment we are 12% on you know agriculture and we are 5% on um, on pencils and you know, whatever and they'll and they'll have a schedule that says in the first year and then that will be the same and in the second year that one will go down to 11% and that one will go down to 4% and then in year 2 and then we'll drop a little bit more and they, they, they tend to smooth them out like that or, or they'll group them together but it's still a set of barriers to trade that they've agreed of course it is and and the other, and the other thing is that they will they will normally exclude things that either country wants to continue to, in quotes, protect. And so when the UK finally gets around, hopefully, to doing some trade agreements, as they should be known, not free trade agreements, they will undoubtedly, they won't go down the route that we want, which is, you know, unilateral um, uh, free trade um, and just dropping all tariffs. They will involve negotiation and discussion and they'll say, do you know what, we, we do want, for argument's sake, our steel industry to be protected. Um, if, if no one had heard of tariffs before, they'd heard of steel tariffs, a fairly common one. Um, and so, yeah, we've got our steel tariffs and we'll keep those. We'll do a deal on services, we'll do a deal on agriculture, we'll do a deal on this, that and the other, and we'll, we'll remove all these barriers and we'll lower all the, all the tariffs, maybe even to zero between us. I'm still getting my bloody steel tariff in there. So they won't be, even again, this is another word they use it, comprehensive. Redefining the term comprehensive, redefining the term free, putting them together as well, the comprehensive free trade agreement that is neither free nor comprehensive. So one of, one of the reasons that these free, free trade deals uh, take so long as well is that it's all about balancing regulation between yes um, which is and because there is so much because every country has so much regulation now yeah but you know years and years and years ago free trade deals were quick and easy um, you know they didn't take 10 years to negotiate um, it's only now because everything is so complex um, that they take so long you know if we didn't have yes. all this regulation free trade deals would be easy we'll trade with you you trade with us brilliant I, th I think it's worth noting um, that regulation is quite a new thing you know, in, in certainly in terms of its scale, um, uh, I, you know, I'd love to I'd love to kind of study it in more detail. But you know, regulation has ballooned, shall we say, um, uh, over the last thirty years, um, and, and and that's why less trade agreements have been made over the last Absolutely. thirty years uh, because of that. Um, the concept, though, and again, this is something that you know followers of of the of the Brexit uh, discussion and debate will. Um, will be familiar with and this is the concept of mutual recognition now that gets around all of it basically just to turn around and say we think you as a country 
uh, and your internal regulations are not equal to ours, but we think you're on the right track. We think you're, you know, I, your beef isn't killing your people, so we're going to trust it if it comes over here. Um, and likewise, you're going to think the same about us. We both have a regulatory regime. To make them the same would be impossible, especially because I'm in a trade agreement with these guys over there. And so unless you end up coming up with a global regulatory regime. Can you imagine how terrible that would be? Yes. Yes, I can. It would be like the EU, only worse and bigger. And so mutual recognition is absolutely the way to go. And about the only about the only regulation that I would um, that I would authorize in, in this scenario is nice and simple because let's face it everyone's got everyone has a supercomputer in their pocket now in order to be able to search the internet for things and be a savvy consumer if they want to. Um, I think country of origin uh, that's that's it. Stick the country of origin uh, in, in, in readable typeface on your packaging of any product. Uh, then, then that's it, and so then, you, you you know that right. This has come from, uh, this is a chicken that has been washed in a chlorinated solution from the states, and it's up to me to choose whether or not I want I want that or not. I, I I I agree. I don't think that needs to be regulation because I think people would you know if they had a choice between a chicken that's clearly labelled and a chicken that isn't, they'd probably go for the chicken that's clearly labelled. So it, what would happen over time is that people would think, you know what, we're going to label our chickens. And, and this is why I always like having these conversations with you. Because and, and I, I, want them, I, want, I want to record them, I want to correct, because I, there, are, there are so many examples where you can slip into... I've found an exception. I've found, I found an exception. This is the regulation I would like. And there's always a way of explaining that you don't need it and that the outcome would be the same. Yeah, either, either the, it's, it's either that you don't need it or that it would happen of it, its own accord yes. in the private sector. So yes. we're not saying regulation is bad. We're saying regulation created by the state yes. is bad. Um, so yeah, exactly. there, might be, there might be like a, a, a private sector regulator that comes about and, and, and you know, checks these different types of chickens and makes sure that they're labelled correctly. Yeah. And, you know, if... if, if that was proven that that was a good regulator. People think, you know what, I'm going to buy chickens that are regulated by this private sector regulator, and I'm going to be happy, and I'm not going to, yeah, you know, I'm not going to poison my children or whatever. Exactly. Um, so it would it would happen it it would happen anyway. You, it doesn't need to be mandated yeah. by the state. And I would I would argue that's going to be better. That would have better outcomes than anything that was that was mandated by the state. Yeah. Um, well, as usual, we talked at length about the EU. In the well, one. you'll be very happy that this next one is about the EU as well. Then. Excellent. Is this the last, is this the last, our last one? This is, this is the last one. So, uh, and this is one that you, you'll have heard uh, a lot. So, we should never have had a referendum. Nah, this was my one, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, and that goes along with, we should have a second referendum. <laughs> and it absolutely is the same people saying this. Yeah. Uh, and I, I remember when, when writing that down, I wanted to make it as as simple as that because those are they those tend to be the the the, the ways that they say it. They, they don't even sugarcoat it, um, and they'll sometimes almost say it in the same breath like that, and not and for some they don't expect to be challenged on it. Somehow the rules do not apply to the one sentence, but they are, uh, apply to the other. Yet yeah, the, the the topic of 
of, of this podcast, I mean, we, we call it contradictions. It, it's, you can't have it both ways. And that is a classic example, isn't it? We should never have had a referendum. Can I have a referendum, please, to undo that referendum? Well, you're in favour of a referendum or not? You can't have it both ways. I mean, you, you know, can, can you imagine these people? Say, say we had a, a close referendum, uh, but it was the other way. Uh, so remain one. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine them saying, well, because it was so close, we need to have another referendum to decide how we remain. How much do we want to remain? Yeah. You know, do we want to remain in like a half in, half out? Because that would be a, a fairer split. Um, which is exactly what they're saying. Uh, George now. Osborne said it at Davos uh, a week or so ago. Um, saying, said very specifically that, said, obviously we need a deal that reflects the narrowness of, of that victory. And in my head I'm thinking, what, like the narrowness of the 2015 general election that you were a you know, very key part of, where you did win uh, a majority of you know, 15 or whatever it was, uh, did you immediately then say, well, right, right then, Jeremy Corbyn? I don't, uh, well, no, sorry. Uh, it, Edmund, uh, I, don't, I don't remember saying, we'll take in 40% of your Labour policies, Mr Miliband. Yeah. Utter, utter nonsense. And I, I just, I mean, you and I hope that when people read um, or, or, or see uh, or hear things like that said, that, you know, that actually the man on the street isn't stupid and goes, what the hell are you talking about? You know, I, yes, that is anti-democratic. And no, that's not how it works. Um, and I can see what you want to do here. You just want the opposite outcome and you're going to say anything to try and do it. Um, I really wish that they actually had some sophisticated arguments because they haven't got any uh, in terms of arguing for undoing it. Interestingly, I think I think this is this has only happened in the last couple of weeks, and that is the the overt we want to overturn it now. It's like it's like they've all been under um, uh, under strict instructions for well, let's face it, over two years now. To no, no, just call it call it a people number one, call it a people's vote, yeah, because this is about campaigning. Call it call it a people's vote. You can't you know, everyone supports a people's vote. Um, don't say it's about undoing it. Don't mention Remain. Don't mention the one. Don't mention Remain. This is about a people's vote to decide how we Brexit. And then we'll try and sneak in later that the, the, one of the, yeah, the option is to remain. But in the, the last two weeks, pundits, commentators, politicians, I, whether it's because the amendment in the House of Commons was defeated and it was exposed that there really isn't anything like a majority for a second referendum in the House of Commons, which is the only way it would ever get on the statute book. When, when they realised they were losing, it was like they all just decided to forget these their, their, their campaign rules and they've all just, just started saying, I want to fucking remain anyway. <laughs> um, well, what, what else can they do now? Though? It's, it's like last straw, isn't it? It's, yes. It's, it's final straw tactics. It, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's the end times, isn't it, uh, in terms of this? But um, I read... Well, touching uh, a straw, sorry. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, read, I read more than 50% uh, opposition opinion. Um, and so I read Jonathan Friedland on The Guardian. Oh, you're, you're, you're wincing. Listen, I, 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 I can't see you. Screw your face up. <laughs> um, and uh, and what, you know, these people are intelligent people 
Um, and uh, and he, he came out this week advocating very, very strongly. You just have to, you know, we have to just make the argument for Remain. Now, that, that, that's the only thing we can do now, just make the argument for Remain. And you think, you've just actually wasted all of that. It, if, if you had the day after the referendum, and consistently since then. Or, or how about that. before the referendum? Well, well, quite. Yeah, you know, the, you, you lost. But give the Lib Dems their due. I mean, it's, never, it's not been a vote winner. But they have been consistent in wanting to overturn Brexit. Um, it hasn't got them anywhere, uh, for very good reasons. Uh, you, and again, you can, that, that's why the People's Vote campaign and why the others have been trying to, to softly, softly, deceitfully talk about and they've, it. And they've only been consistent about the EU vote recently. They were, and you've pointed this out before, they were massively... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, no, the, what the I mean vote. is they've been consistent in saying, even though we lost the referendum, we want to overturn it. They've been yes. very consistent about that. They're saying we should remain. But, no, I, I was really pleased. Like contempt for democracy, which yeah. is just, this is, the, this is the Liberal Democrats, the liberal Democrats who are neither Liberal nor Democrat. Now, I've been really pleased because I, I, I point this out to you, I've been pointing this out to you for years, haven't I, that, that they were the ones that came up with the idea of an, of an in-out referendum in the first place. Um, finally, in the House of Commons, uh, senior MPs have been up saying that now. I'm, I'm not sure that Theresa May has directly said it, but Secretaries of State have, former Secretaries of State, David Davises and people like that, have been saying it, saying it out loud in the Commons. It's like, finally, why, why haven't you been pointing this out um, from the word go? You know, point out the hypocrisy of someone's position. You can't do that. Why the hell are you there for? These are hypocritical positions, every single one. Of and you're them. not just talking about the, the last one in the EU. You're I, talking about all of these now, aren't you? All of them. You know, we've said these are contradictions. That's charitable. Um, We've said, yeah, you can't have it both ways. Uh, there's a strong argument that these are hypocritical positions. And, you know, in, in, in the way that I've just said there, that some politicians are now standing up going, no, Lib Dems, you're being a hypocrite. You can't call for it one day and, and then not the next. Likewise, all these other positions, if you want to call them, these, these concepts, these ideas, uh, they don't make sense. And we need more people calling them out. They, they, they need to be challenged. They, they absolutely need to be, need to be challenged. challenged. They need to be dismantled. And it's it actually, it can be very difficult to do that in a very short space of time. And so I get that traditional media, the soundbite, it's much easier to just make a headline with a phrase, you know, I'm going to tax the rich, um, than it is to explain how that might be a bad idea or, or how it's hypocritical with the, with the, other, with the other position. Um, but... People need to try. And we're going to keep doing it on this and using a long-form piece like a podcast to do it. Um, but where you see a contradiction, point it out. And I think that's a good note to end it. So thanks for listening to Sound and Gord, and we'll see you again next time.